The clock ticks down on a 20-year war as the doors at the airport quickly close, stranding tens of thousands of Afghans who were fighting for the Americans and NATO forces and now fighting to leave the country. And there's a highly likely scenario that there will be U.S. and British forces left behind. Hey, it's Lucas Scrobot, and you're listening to The Lucas Scrobot Show, where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. Episode 252. It is the late evening of August 25th, 2021. And as I said, the door is quickly, quickly shutting on uh, evacuation flights. It is not, it is not a good look. For for those who have been desperately, desperately trying to get out of the country over the last week, and that's not just that's not just for uh, SIV applicants, special special persons applicants who have worked with the U.S. military or British military as interpreters. That's not just for uh, for Afghans who qualified under whether it's religious minorities or or other qualifications to get out of the country in time, there are thousands pounding, metaphorically speaking, pounding on the gates of the airport, now trapped between two perimeters, a perimeter of the U.S. military and a perimeter of the Taliban outside, you know, a, a, far, a, a little distance outside of the airport of people trying to get in the airport. But They are not letting people in the airport except if you are U.S. citizens, U.S. green card holders, and a certain select number of SIV. But even some of those SIV individuals, uh, they are not looking like they are getting in at the moment. There are many conflicting reports on the ground, but that, that window of time is definitely closing. Now, the U.S., and Biden continue, continue to hold on to their deadline of midnight, or I guess it'd be 11.59 p.m. on August 31st of giving, getting everyone out, all the troops out of Afghanistan, which means they have to start drawing down those troops and stopping or, or greatly reducing evacuation flights before that time to get people out. So that window is closing. Some people uh, yesterday said that this was a 72-hour window. Other reports I have heard that is an 18-hour window. By the And that's coming from uh, a time a time stamp of 9.30 p.m. Uh, here in the Middle East. So by the time that you are getting this in the morning or evening, wherever you are, that window is likely to be greatly reduced to a number of hours, hours. Now, the, they have promised, the U.S. government has promised that every American that wants to get out is going to be able to get out. They're not stranded. They're not abandoned. And yet there are many people who are feeling stranded and abandoned U.S. citizens. In addition to that, there are other people who even have their names on flight manifests. They have their names on flight manifests, but reports are coming in that even though they have their names, even though they've been approved, even though they have a seat on an airplane promised to them, 
they're not getting through because there there's just so many people that need to be evacuated that they are prioritizing only U.S. citizens. Well, uh, great news, though, if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, from the Taliban, Taliban spokesperson uh, was recently interviewed in, in their second press conference and had some really warm and encouraging words to say uh, for the for the Afghani people. Here is the spokesperson for the Taliban. There's a lot of discussion in the West about the 31st of Sikandar August. From BBC. Have you received any requests from the Americans to extend the evacuation? Uh, the evacuation scheme beyond that date, and are there any circumstances under which you would agree to extending that date? I don't think we will extend the deadline. 31st, it is their plan, is the American plan. This was already not according to the agreement. They have opportunity. They have all the resources. They can take all the people that belong to them. We are not going to allow uh, Afghans leave. Uh -huh. And we will not extend the deadline. We will be deciding about this there then. then. We are not going to allow Afghans to leave. We're not going to allow Afghans to leave. Essentially, uh, Afghanistan has turned into a, a, a prison where Afghanis are, are kept in the country and not allowed to leave right now in this U.S. evacuation. So what they, they have done is Afghan uh, Taliban forces have set up a perimeter around the airport. Reports are saying that foreigners are allowed through those checkpoints, but Afghan citizens are not. Now, the, the Taliban has also reported that after U.S. forces pull out all of their people, after everyone's gone, then they will permit Afghans to leave the country, which it sounds... I don't know. It sounds a little bait and switchy to me. We'll see what happens in the coming weeks. But more importantly, at that point, if if there are if there are no one there, is no one there to protect those who partnered with U.S. and NATO forces? If there's no one there to protect religious minorities who are under a threat, there's no one there to protect journalists, foreign journalists, well, or or Afghanis who worked with foreign news sources or NGOs. It seems awful convenient where the Taliban could then say, well, you people who did everything right, you can leave, but uh, all of you other people who we've given amnesty to, but with that amnesty and forgiveness come certain stipulations, you have to stay in the country. You can't go. You're now held prisoner. Speaking of being held prisoner, the, the Taliban also announced recently, within the last day, that women should stay inside until they can figure out what laws really should apply to women. Because it's, you know, it's, it's, a dangerous, it's dangerous for women to be outside the house. It's dangerous. It's better to just keep them inside. Reports are, are, are flooding in on the, on not mainstream news sources, but from local news sources that I've been following on, on Instagram and on Telegram, uh, one of the news sources that 
I, I received, I'll just even read it out to you right now, was from Instagram where, where one account said this, just got news. They will only open schools until sixth grade. That's not right. We need schools to open until grade 12 for girls in Southern Afghanistan. Another lady posted, this is via Twitter, my friends in the villages say that the boys right now are told to join the madrasa instead, which madrasa means school, but it's a religious school, instead of going to the local school. And it's getting worse for girls who haven't been able to receive an education. So that's the, that's the news that's happening outside in the villages from local sources who are there on the ground. Maybe not what we're seeing in the news, but I, 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 that's what we can, ex- I think that's what we can expect. That's what we should expect. And anyone expecting otherwise, mm, my word, you know, we, uh, <laughs> I, I live here in the Middle East and when there is an issue surrounding Palestine, which we've covered be here, be here before on the show, the, the number of people who are so bold and vocal, it's just astounding. You can't, you can't go two seconds on a social media feed without it front and center. But the, the silence around this issue, you'd think that it would be more prevalent as it's, it's around issues that very vocal, people are very vocal about frequently in this region. One, one it's the denouncing of, of groups like ISIS. Or, or, or terrorist groups like ISIS saying, well, they're, they're not really part of us. It's fighting for women's rights across, across these, the nations in these regions. But right now, it's tremendously silent. And there, my calculation, and maybe someone else can, can prove and tell me wrong, but even some of my uh, local friends that I've talked with who, who are a little bit more vocal about what's happening right now in Afghanistan, they agree with me. The reason that Many people aren't saying anything about what's happening right now with the Taliban takeover is because the Taliban and Hamas, they're cut from the same cloth. They're cut from the same cloth. And if you are pro-Palestine in, in their definition, I am, I am pro-Palestine and I, I'm also against a call for genocide. But if you're most people here, if you're pro-Palestine, that means you're pro-Hamas. And Hamas carries all of the, the same, nearly all, I'm sure there's some differentiation, but nearly all of the same values and, and the way that they see the outworking and the outplaying of Sharia law in a society. Now, not all, not all nations in the region and very, very few, it's only a few organizations like Hamas or, or the Taliban or ISIS in the region that see such a, a, a fierce outplaying of Sharia law. But we've even played clips in here of foreign ministers from the United Arab Emirates denouncing Hamas as a terrorist organization, which it's, I, that's great. I love, I love seeing that. I love hearing that. And I, I'm glad that there are people who are standing up and insane, what only seems to be rationally true. But the reason that there is not a lot of push in this region right now 
vocally around this issue is because if you condemn the Taliban, you're condemning your, your, the, the people that you side with, with the same values in Hamas. And they can't fully cheer for it, even though there is a narrative of, well, we, we finally have rid ourselves from the imperialist oppressor. And there, many people see no difference between what was taking place in Afghanistan and what is currently taking place in Israel. Israel is just a, an, an imperialistic, Zionistic oppressor, oppressor, and that was the occupier, and that's the same thing that the U.S. forces were in Afghanistan. So seeing the Taliban take over and, and seeing the Americans run, for some, it's, and this is assumptions that I'm, I'm reading in between the lines, for some it's, well, this is kind of what we want to see happen in Israel anyway. So yeah, this is what we want to see in, in Palestine, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Well, I digress. Back to uh, the topic at hand. Uh, Jen Psaki, U.S. White House press secretary, she commented on just this, the, the, the collapsing of uh, foreigners only being able to get through the Taliban checkpoints and the, the closing window that people have to evacuate Afghanistan. When do you need to start pulling troops out of the Kabul airport to, make, to meet the August 31 target? It's a, a great question, Steve. I just don't want to get into operational details that are under the purview of the Department of Defense. Go ahead. So, but you are correct. I will note that it would not be it would there would have to be time in advance of the 31st or in time in advance of whatever the date is in order to do that. But they can give you the operational details. Go ahead. So does that mean that the evacuations will stop before the actual 31st? So then there is time to get the troops and their machinery and weaponry out of there? Uh, that would be correct, yes, that there mm. would need to be time uh, mm. to wind down the presence. I will note, though, that the purpose of this statement is to provide additional context of what the president conveyed to the G7. And at the G7, mind you, there was pushback against Biden being hard set on getting everyone out by the 31st. And, and here they're making the open confession of yes— we, in order to get all the troops out by the 31st, we have to stop evacuation flights before that. Reports right now on the ground is that there's 10,000 people inside of the airport walls right now that need to be evacuated, not to mention the thousands on the outside of the wall that are trying to get in to be evacuated. The likelihood that they are going to continue to let more and more people through those gates dwindles by the moment. Now, the, uh, to, to their point, I understand there, there's increasing threats of terrorism against U.S., NATO, U.K. forces from ISIS-K there, and those are real threats. And so in some ways, I, I, have, I have a sliver of empathy in, in the rationality that, well, if we, if we stay around and we stay longer, we can increase a level of threat of attacks against our forces, attacks against civilian forces, and even maybe we'll end up getting in some sort of retaliation from the Taliban themselves if they're saying, no, you can't be here, you're now invading our land and we're going to attack the airport and fight. The, the number of civilian casual casualties could be 
through the roof. And man, it would definitely turn this into a bad to worse situation if all of a sudden we saw a full out war between the airport and the, the Taliban forces with thousands of civilians caught in between in the crossfire. I mean, that would be a disaster. So their hopes, from my understanding, their hopes is that, okay, well, once we get the U.S. forces out, commercial flights will be able to start back up and we will be able to get, whether it's the rest of our U.S. citizens out or our SIV applicants or even other Afghans, they will be permitted to leave. And we're going we're gonna to have to work with it because that's what the situation is on the ground. The other side of that is there are many Afghans who are saying, you've been here for 20 years. I'm sure you can stay for one more week. I'm sure you can hold this for one more week and actually let people through. Oh, Jen Psaki goes on. Which includes a number of very key components as he assesses day by day. And that includes the threat of ISIS, uh, which is of great concern, understandably, to the president, given the threat it poses to uh, our military who are on the ground, serving uh, proudly and bravely on the ground. It also includes the essential uh, aspect of having the Taliban's coordination continue over the coming days so we can facilitate as many people as we've been getting out. America has just full on capitulated to the Taliban. Just Biden just seems to have full on capitulated to their needs. And I understand technically now they're unwelcomed in someone else's country and uh, they're, yeah, they're not welcome there at the same, the same breath. You have to wonder what, what, what are the stipulations that would cause them to stay longer and will, will there end up being greater loss of life by pulling out or if they they push on and stay until they get all of our allies, all of the people who fought alongside U.S. forces out. Well, uh, Fox News has something to say about just this. And I just got an email from someone who's talking directly with a team leader on the ground uh, uh, trying to get people out. And I'll just I'll read. We'll put up some pictures from the airport. FYI, from my evacuation team leader one hour ago, we have people on the ground at the airport waiting for a new update any minute. We have a team on the ground running evac, evac evacuation operations, so this intel is as real as it gets. This might help you understand what's happening. Basically, the U.S. is refusing to take any more Afghan locals and has a U.S. citizen-only policy in play. They've this is correct. That's all my sources have confirmed this is correct. There's many rumors saying, oh, we're still taking, we're still taking people. We're taking 5,000 people a day. But the real numbers that I've heard from on the ground, they're only taking 1,500 people a day. And they have stopped taking all, all non-U.S. citizen green card holders or embassy staff stated that once August 31st hits, they will help nobody else, U.S. or Afghan, these are the Taliban checkpoints. We're hearing that a deal has been done with the Taliban and that the U.S. is expediting the withdrawal and wants to be out in 72 hours. Anybody left is on their own.
President Biden disregarding mm. all sound military advice. It's expected that he will continue to push ahead and ignore the military either today or tomorrow. According to the source on the ground, they believe the airport gates will be sealed. They've already destroyed the only road out. The AH-65 destroyed the tunnel, effectively, effectively cutting off that route out. The U.K. pulled out already due to a KIA killed in action. In short, the Polish troops also have pulled out. The county and any U.S. citizen, the country and any U.S. citizen in the country have been sold out. Uh, Taliban have total control of the city now and are telling women and children to stay in the house mm. and anybody else's fair game, including all military personnel. Um, the person on the ground is a former, former Navy pilot uh, running the point operation. Now, I am so grateful. I'm so grateful for every man and woman in uniform that is right there pulling insane hours, putting their lives at risk, working hard to get our allies that fought alongside us and we fought alongside for years in, in Afghanistan, where we made commitments to. And I am, I am glad, I am, I, I am so grateful for each person that is putting their life on the line. Now, these, these commands are coming down from the U.S. State Department of who is being able to let through and who is not. There are reports, uh, some that I'm sure are verified, some that are unverified, of planes that are leaving that are mostly empty because they're not letting people through, because there are these flight manifests that were filled with Afghans who did not meet special qualifications, and so they weren't permitted through the gates. And so these flights are, are taking off. Some photos show whether they're verified or not. I, I do not know 100%. But are taking off not full, but with a, a lot of capacity left. And that is coming down from, from a U.S. State Department decision. But it's causing, in my opinion, a, a deep betrayal of of people that we had have a duty to, which would be uh, U.S. citizens or U.K. citizens, and people that we have a, a responsibility to, that we made a commitment to, to honor those, which would be all those that fought alongside us on the NATO forces throughout uh, uh, 20 years. Well, here is a, a clip from ITV News. They had this brilliant reporting uh, from outside the airport walls. Here is a British citizen who's been denied entry into the airport. I'm a British citizen and I've got my kids are British and they're stuck here. They close the door at us and they're shooting back at us. Well, my message for the Prime Minister is just to get us out from here because otherwise our kids are struggling and we're all in a big mess here. And the, the British army is right behind these fences. They close the gate and they're not letting, they're not letting no one in. If this, is, if this is a British citizen, he's holding a British passport and not being allowed in, what, what good would be with, with those SIV, the, the, the translators, the people that worked with armed forces be? Are they going to get in? Highly doubtful. Jen Psaki, in that same presser, was, I believe the day before, was saying, oh, people, aren't, we're, we, no one's being stranded. No one's being abandoned. We're not going to strand anyone. Every, we're in contact with all of our people. They're going to be in just fine. 
we're going to get them through. Well, uh, apparently, this man, whether he's gotten through or not, I don't know. But at this time, the door was being shut on him. It, it seems that people are going to get stranded there. And we do not know the fate from that point on. Here is another clip from that same uh, interview from ITV News. I am the British interpreter, and I, I work for one year in Nadali, in Helmand. With yeah. the Marines? Yeah, yeah, for yeah. five commando, yeah. yeah. Yesterday night, I, I was here. You, you've been here all yeah, night? Yeah, yeah, all night, in my children. This, this tree is my children, she is my wife, and I need help from UK. If you notice, you say, yesterday night, I've been here. There are thousands of people who have gone to the airport, realizing that because of their status, because of how they've partnered with the U.S. forces in the past, they doubt that their lives will, one, be respected underneath the new rule after the NATO forces leave, and two, they doubt that <laughs> they doubt that they want to live the sort of life that would be led underneath Taliban rule. Not just underneath, underneath Sharia law, but underneath their strict and stringent enforcement of those laws that deny rights to, to girls and women and religious minorities. So these thousands of people have left their homes with a backpack and are camping out around the airport. And now with the, the, the perimeter that the Taliban have set up and the announcement that we're not letting any Afghanis through, they are stuck there within that perimeter in, in the hopes, in the vain hopes that the airport doors will open to them. And so people are sleeping out there for two, three days, 4,000 people sharing one porter potty that's overflowing, sewage and septic flowing all over the place. This is the situation. This is the catastrophe that has, is taking place right now that is inexcusable and was completely avoidable, completely avoidable. Here is uh, another clip of the, the scenes. Now, I'm sure these scenes are, there's hundreds of them. I'm sure these are not just isolated, isolated moments or instances of, uh, of chaos or of kids getting separated from their parents. Uh, it, just unth unthinkable things that people are going through right now. And their parents are inside, and their children are outside. Where are the children? Right here. They're standing right here. Amid the chaos, we were shown two children apparently left behind when their parents were among the few to be admitted here. Mr. Biden, you did this. You planned this. You made the deal with the Taliban. This is the consequences of it. This is the repercussions of it. Mr. Biden, it's your ill calculation. You were against Trump. Now we are against you. You hear that? This, this gentleman is so upset. You made a deal with the Taliban. You, you're, the, you're the one that planned this. You're the one that planned this, uh, this withdrawal. You're the one that thought, ah, you know what? Before, before we might have to evacuate the entire city, before we do that, let's just shut down our biggest airport, our biggest military base that could maybe even 
probably would have facilitated many of these evacuations. We're just going to give up one of our greatest assets first before pulling people out. So he's, he's right. He's right. And uh, again, for, and I said this in the previous episode, for all those people who are saying, don't, we don't want to take these people into our country. First, shame on you. These are people who fought alongside you as an American, if you're an American saying that. Shame. Second, if you are, if you are right-leaning conservative, you for sure want these people in your country. You want them as your neighbor. I guarantee it. I guarantee you want these people as your neighbor. And the alternative to them being your neighbor makes, makes you something, uh, let's just put it this way. The betrayal of our, our, our friends and our allies in this hour that is not something that I would, I would care to have on my hands. Here's the, the final clip, the final clip uh, from ITV. This is desperation and betrayal on show yet again. Many of these men served us. Today, we're slamming the gate on them and their families. It doesn't feel great to be British on this side of the fence today. And that's absolutely how I feel. There's, there's so many of these people who have served us. And now it, it seems as if the, the Biden administration is saying, nope, we are going to be out on the 31st. Maybe we'll have some contingencies. If there are certain qualifications that are not met, that might be contingencies to extend that. But right now, the, the U.S. military is beginning to wind, wind up and wind down evacuations and begin to withdraw all of their troops and machinery, which will, will take a number of days. And uh, the, the scenes from on the ground, the stories from on the ground, children being shot, even just today, uh, reports coming in from across the country, people being beaten. An Australian citizen beaten at a checkpoint because he was mistaken for being Afghani or being an Afghan. And uh, this is all completely avoidable. All completely avoidable. And the situation is collapsing quickly. Yeah, that makes sense. In a post- truth society where we have exchanged the truth for a lie and reason for postmodern irrationality the absurd finally makes sense and uh, the absurd today is this meme that i found on the interweb uh scrolling through my instagram feed that if you're li listening on a podcasting certified 2.0 app which can show chapters and pictures in the, the art as you listen, then you will see, if you look down at your phone, you will see this image. And it's the, the classic meme with, with three different slides. On the first slide, there's someone uh, standing in, in front of a podium asking a question. And he says, who likes the Taliban? And everyone's raising their hand really high. Next question, who wants to live under the Taliban? 
No one's raising their hand. Everyone's quiet. Third question, who wants to live in the West? Everyone's raising their hand. This is what's happening. There is an enormous, enormous amount of Taliban propaganda or pro-Taliban people coming out of the woodworks, people who don't live in Afghanistan, people who don't live under Sharia law, not just Sharia law, but the way that the Taliban wants to execute that. It's not Sharia law in and of itself because there's multiple expressions of that as we've covered before on the show. There are multiple expressions. I believe in in the UAE, their cabinet is 50% women. They've made sure that half of their, their positions are being filled by women. That, and that is a nation that's under Sharia law. So you can't just flat out say across the board, ah, it's because of Sharia law. It's their interpretation of it. But there are people who are coming out in the droves saying, ah, give them a chance. Oh, they're not so bad. Oh, they finally have law and order in the city. And yet those, the majority, maybe there, there are people, but the, all of the Afghans that I have been following and listening to on social media, they are, are so upset. They are so upset by all of these people posting and saying, oh, it's not really that bad. People are just overreacting. People are just being fearful. And they're all in the comment sections that I've been reading, all of their reactions are, well, then you come live here. If, if, if you love it so much, then move. You're welcome to live here if this is the life that you want to live. And uh, that's the thing. <coughs> Excuse me. It's, there are tens of thousands of people who are saying this is not the life that we want. There have been photos being posted around the interworld of uh, Afghanistan in the 1970s where women are wearing shorter skirts and uh, uncovering their hair. And many people are railing against that saying, well, don't you, people should stop showing these photos. It's, it's uh, demoralizing to women. It's suggesting that it's, it's better than women covering their head. These are Muslims who are mostly posting it, saying that this is just objectifying women this shouldn't be the, we shouldn't be wanting the Western standard. And I, I definitely understand that argument. I've, I've heard it multiple times and I understand why they're making that argument. That because they're making that argument because in places like France, there are laws against women covering their faces. So the re, there's a reaction to say, well, hey, in France, we're not, Muslim women aren't allowed to cover their faces. But here in Afghanistan, we at least are allowed to cover our faces. Why should, there's, there's a mismatch of comparison there. The issue that I have is one society, not France apparently, but at least how it was underneath the, the old Afghan government was if you want to cover your face, you have the freedom to do so. If you don't, you have the freedom to do so. And this is where, where it comes back. It comes back to personal liberties and us being able to make decisions of how we want to walk out our, our life and our faith. There's a, a quote in the Gulag Archipelago 
talking about the USSR. And in it, it says, you can pray to any God you want. You can have, you can keep your faith. You can have your religion, but just pray so only God can hear. Is that really, is that really freedom? Is that really freedom? And so when we look towards building a society that defends and protects people's liberty and the right to to freedom and to choose, we need to strike a balance. We can't go all the way to say, well, you actually aren't allowed to practice your faith in the way that you believe honors God. At the same time, there shouldn't be oppressive rules and laws placed on people which force the way that they have to live their lives in a, in a way such as <clears throat> covering someone's face, which is what is happening, which is what will happen and what is happening uh, in Afghanistan right now. And that is deeply troubling. And many, many lives are on the line. Now, whether or not more lives will be would would be lost if the U.S. forces stayed and there was a full-on uh, exchange of fire and, and fighting back and forth between the U.S. and Taliban forces in, in the coming weeks, whether that would result in a greater loss of life or whether the, the U.S. NATO forces totally just pulling out and saying, you are on your own. And the, the, the catastrophe and the fallout that might follow from that, we, we will never know because we'll only see one of those two sides. Well, this show is brought to you by listeners like you. And this is a value for value podcast. If you get value out of the show, consider giving value back to the show in the measure that you got value out of it. You can do that by visiting our website at lucasscrobot.com and we can give your hard, cold fiat or you can visit a podcast and get a podcasting certified 2.0 app that can stream Bitcoin as you listen, like Breeze or Sphinx or Podfriend, where as you listen, you can load up your Bitcoin wallet and stream your Satoshis, your one cents and two cents as you listen. Well, don't go away. We'll be right back with our closing Weaver and Loom segment. Welcome back to Weaver and Loom, a part of the show where we take ancient wisdom and we weave it in with our everyday lives so that we can own our future and weave our destiny. Today's quote is actually just an old adage that uh, I wish, I wish that we would all live by. And it is practice what you preach. Practice what you preach. And this is a kickback to the previous meme where there are a whole bunch of people out there right now singing the praises of how, how great life could be underneath Taliban rule. There is a massive push in the media. Massive. And yet, most of those people do not live underneath the Taliban's rule. And likewise, there are a lot of people, as we mentioned on the previous episode, 
saying, well, I hope they're okay. It's a shame what's happening. I can't believe this is happening. We can't let this happen. And yet, have not given of their life resources to help people who have fled, who currently have nothing. So my charge to you today, no matter which side you're on, if you're on the side of like, go Taliban, which I, I, I mean, maybe you are. <laughs> I got some people listening to this show that definitely are. Um, it, and not just in the Middle East, uh, in, in the West, the number of extreme right-wingers that sometimes tune into the show and the comments that I get are unbelievable. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's you. Well, well think about it and ask yourself, is that where, if, if you are so stoked on that, is that where you would want to live and raise your family? And if so, I'm sure you can arrange for that to happen. Second point, for those of us who are saying, this is just so horrible, this is just such a travesty, shame, it's so shameful to be, uh, to be an American or a Brit right now, we're slamming the doors on our allies, how shameful this is, what the, the, the administration is ruining, this was just a total mess up by America, this is totally avoidable. If that is you, if that's you, raise your hand. That's me, I'm raising my hand right now. You, let's do something about it. Let's go beyond just what we speak and what we preach and saying, oh, it's a travesty. And let's actually do something, whether it's finding out how to help those refugees who are coming to your nation, whether it's giving to, to different organizations who are helping people in danger get out or helping people resettle who have gotten out. There are many, many causes that you can be giving to right now, whether that's in Haiti, whether that's in Lebanon, or whether that's for this crisis that's happening right now in Afghanistan. And I know we've been, we, there's a lot of other things going on in the world right now. There are things happening, crazy things that are happening in Australia and New Zealand with total lockdowns after one case uh, of, of the, the Rona virus popping back up again. There, there's so much that's happening. Uh, this one, this crisis has been particularly close to home and, uh, I've been working tirelessly on doing something beyond just pontificating about it on this show. So forgive me if this, this episode wasn't as meaty and detailed as maybe you would have liked, but, uh, I'm sick and tired and working diligently to actually do this, to practice what I preach and, and to do something beyond just breathe hot air all over, all over my microphone and all over you about this crisis. So please join by helping, uh, helping people who are in dire need, who are leaving behind their homes and everything that they've known with just a backpack. And they're grateful to have their lives intact. Let's help these people in any way that we can. That's all for today's episode. Again, forgive me for uh, maybe having a little lighter uh, content-wise than normal. Uh, hopefully, we will be getting out of this sooner than later. Uh, but I thank you for your your grace and your patience uh, in that. Well, you are someone very special because God don't make no junk. 
<laughs> you are someone who goes out and seeks truth, pursues the truth, because that is what opens up our ability to see the world. And if we can see the world, then we can know how to walk rightly in it. That is our purpose. And that enables you and I to own the future.